0: Okay, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Cannon Institute. My name is Will Pomerantz. I'm Deputy Director. Uh, A brief note about some upcoming events before we get to our main event today. Uh, On Tuesday, February 25th at 3.30, we will have a lecture commemorating the 80th anniversary of the Katyn Massacre with Alexander Goryanov and Andrei Novak. And then next Friday, February 28th at 11 a.m., Uh, we will have our own uh, George F. Kennan fellow Igor Zavalev speaking on Russian policy towards Russians in neighboring states. So we hope you can join us for those events. Well, today we have Sufiam Zeminkov to talk about a path through the mountains, Islam and nationalism in the Caucasus. Uh, He will discuss the development of post-Soviet nationalism and political Islam and their interaction with the state in Russia's North Caucasus. Uh, Sufyan is an Associate Research Professor of International Affairs at George Washington University. His research interests include ethnic politics, nationalism, and religion. Uh, His book, amongst his many publications, his book in 2017, co-authored with Mikhail Alexeyev on Mass Religious Ritual and Intergroup Tolerance, The Muslim Pilgrim's Paradox, uh, received the 2019 Best Book Award in Religion and International Relations by the International Studies Association. So it's a great pleasure to have Sufian back here at the Canon Institute. Who well, so is yours?
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for the um, Canon Institute uh, that uh, hosted me in 2005 as Fulbright Scholar. And uh, thank you for the recent uh, alumni grant that Kennan uh, uh, provided to me and made this research possible. Uh, <coughs> Uh, So mm, I I would like to talk about these three issues that uh, Will already indicated nationalism, Islam, and Kremlin's policy. Uh, And uh, you can see uh, on the uh, screen the map of Russia and uh, the map of uh, 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 federal districts in Russia, and you can see that it's an old map. Uh, It's relatively new because... uh, Crimea is part of the map, but it's already outdated because Crimea now part of uh, the southern federal district and not uh, standing-alone district by itself. So, uh, And uh, here we are interested in the North Caucasus uh, or North Caucasian federal district. Uh, usually, Caucasus, uh, in literature, divided uh, by the North and South Caucasus South Caucasus meaning three post-soviet uh, states Georgia Azerbaijan Armenia and North Caucasus meaning uh, seven uh, Russia's North Caucasus republics. Uh, Russia moved into the region in 8 occurred it by 1864 first the Central Caucasus then Dagestan then Circassia uh, in um, 1864. And uh, one of the grievances uh, that, one of the ethnic groups uh, uh, in uh, uh, the Caucasus has grievances uh, uh, going back to these times. Uh, Circassians consider uh, their uh, uh, defeat and uh, deportation to Ottoman Empire as genocide. This is one of five ethnic grievances uh, that local ethnic groups have, and I'll talk about the other four later. Uh, When uh, Russian Empire fell apart, first uh, the uh, region united as Gorskaya Respublika under Sharia Islamic law, and then when Bolsheviks moved in, it remained Gorskaya Respublika for several years, but now uh, with secular law, and then in uh, 1924, Stalin, back then, uh, uh, Minister of uh, National Affairs, arrived to Nalchik and he persuaded uh, Kabarda to break out of uh, the Gorsk, uh, Mountaineer Republic, and that way he uh, initiated split of Mountaineer Republic and uh, all uh, these uh, r- 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 little regions entered Russian Federation instead of, uh, Mountaineer Republic becoming 16th Soviet uh, Socialist Republic. So that way, uh, nowadays, uh, these uh, little regions are part of uh, Russian Federation. After the uh, fall of Soviet Union, and not uh, we don't have Mountaineer Republic as the 16th post-Soviet state. At the end of Soviet time, uh, uh, there was this dynamic in the region that... Uh, Religion. uh, Very little people uh, in uh, the North Caucasus and overall in Russia identified themselves as uh, uh, religious people. So you can see on this chart, chart in 1989, about 80 percent of Russian citizens identified themselves as atheists or non-believers. And then you can see how uh, later uh, this dramatic uh, the 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 number of religious people dramatically increased. So on the bottom of the chart you have Orthodox Christians and on the top you have other religions and other religions include uh, Muslims uh, and uh, Buddhists and uh, though by the share of population Muslims are minority, however, still they are a significant minority and the number of believers uh, uh, among them you can see uh, increased from a couple of percents to uh, over 10% uh, in uh, Russia. So uh, when uh, the Soviet Union fell apart, several uh, separatist movements uh, emerged in the North Caucasus, uh, and uh, they were based on nationalism uh, ideology, nationalist sentiments, separatist sentiments, uh, were based on nationalist sentiments rather than religion. And this uh, nationalism uh, remained in the Caucasus even in a hidden form, even during Soviet time. Uh, You can see that though people identified themselves as atheists uh, during Soviet time, the majority, however, uh, still people identified themselves by ethnicity. So, for example, my name is Sufyan, which is a Muslim name. Uh, However, uh, I was not named for religious purpose. I'm a Circassian, uh, and uh, uh, Circassians have this tradition of uh, when uh, uh, parents uh, don't sometimes name their children themselves, but give that honor to uh, a relative, a friend. Uh, So uh, when uh, I was born, my parents decided to ask my, uh, my aunt, uh, to give me a name, because she introduced my parents and uh, she contributed to their relationship into the family and to my birth, uh, and she named me after her boyfriend. Uh, kind of, uh, uh, hey boyfriend, uh, do something, I'm, I started naming children after you. So, and uh, uh, and uh, he did, he proposed, so they lived happily ever after. Uh, good. But uh, <laughs> my, my my case shows that even though I have a Muslim name, I was named for ethnic uh, tradition purposes uh, because my par- parents would uh, uh, identify themselves as non-believers, but still they followed uh, the local traditions. So when the Soviet Union fell apart and the first separatist movements emerged, they absolutely were based on national sentiments because religion was not an ideology that could mobilize people uh, in the first years after the Soviet Union fell apart so the first wars were, uh, the first war in the Caucasus uh, occurred between Ossetia and Ingushetia and this is the second grievance uh, that i would like to mention uh, uh, when um, in the middle of the war uh, after Stalingrad uh, battle, uh, uh, G- Germans withdrew from the Caucasus and Soviets moved, uh, uh, Soviet troops moved in the Caucasus. Stalin, in the middle of the war, deported four ethnic groups uh, in the Caucasus. He deported uh, Ingush and Chechens on February 23rd, and he deported Balkar and Karachai on March 5th. And those are two... Uh, mm, holidays uh, 23rd is kind of a male holiday it, and uh, the uh, March uh, f- uh, 8th is female holiday so when we would uh, be students at school uh, the girls would congratulate us and buy us uh, some stuff on February 23rd and according if they bought us something good we would buy them something back on March 8th so these four nations didn't do that because uh, For for, uh, 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 until now, they have these grievances. So these are other uh, four. So these are five really serious grievances against uh, Russians that uh, local ethnic groups hold. Uh, So uh, when um, uh, 13 years after the exile, uh, these four ethnic groups came back. Most of them were able to resettle on the lands that they left, except. Ingush, uh, this little Ingush community, uh, they could not get back part of their land which Stalin assigned to Assetia. And that was the land that uh, the conflict uh, uh, was around in 1992, and that conflict still unresolved. So as soon as uh, Kremlin became stronger uh, under late Yeltsin and early Putin, uh, they, they were able to suppress uh, the conflict, however, uh, you can predict that as soon as Kremlin gets weak, <coughs> the federal center gets weak, this conflict will reemerge again. Uh, uh, other conflicts uh, Georgia Abkhaz conflict uh, was not uh, in the North Caucasus. However, North Caucasus actively participated in it because there were Chechen battalion, there was Circassian battalion in Abkhazia uh, uh, fighting against Georgia. Uh, Nagorno-Karabakh also was far away. However, these two wars, uh, 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 Georgian Abkhaz and Nagorno-Karabakh wars, indicated that Soviet U- after Soviet Union fall apart into little pieces uh, into fifteen pieces, those post-Soviet states were falling apart by themselves. Georgia was falling apart. Azerbaijan was falling apart. Russia was falling apart. And the indication of Russia's falling apart was the first Russian Chechen war. Uh, then, uh, l- uh, f- like years later, during the uh, P- Putin's second term, uh, second Russian-Chechen war followed, and uh, then during uh, Medvedev's term, Russian-Georgian war uh, followed, uh, and uh, South Assetia and Abkhazia uh, came to the sphere of influence of Russia and were recognized as independent states. Besides with uh, these wars, there were six of them. Uh, there were successful uh, peaceful separatist movements. When Adigeia, uh, uh, uh became uh, separate uh, from Krasnodar Krai in 1991, uh, the inside Russian Federation, of course, when Korachaeva Cherkessia uh, became uh, independent from Stavropol Krai, and when Chechnya and Ingushetia separated from each other in 1992. Uh, Then uh, there were uh, uh, other uh, successful uh, uh, separatisms. Uh, Abkhazia became separate from uh, Georgia and South Ossetia became separate from uh, uh, Georgia as well. There were unsuccessful separatist uh, attempts when Karachai and Cherkessia tried to follow Chechen and Engush pattern and tried to Split uh, the republic, but they could not do that. And Kabarda and Balkaria also could not do that because Kremlin interfered. And uh, uh, as soon as Kremlin became stronger, uh, stopped all this uh, fragmentation of uh, uh, regions in the North Caucasus. Also, there was another unsuccessful separatist movement in Georgia when Uh, Muslim uh, region of Georgia, uh, uh, Akjaria, tried to separate from it uh, in 2004. So uh, in the North Caucasus, coming back to the North Caucasus, uh, I mentioned that uh, uh, usually we see it as south and north, North Russia's North Caucasus and southern uh, three uh, states. However, I... uh, uh, in order to understand uh, the uh, the uh, dynamic uh, or post-Soviet dynamic uh, in uh, the North Caucasus, uh, I think it would be useful to look at this division uh, in different way, in uh, the way of uh, East versus West. So in the East, we have three uh, republics, uh, Chechnya, Dagestan, and Kushetia, which are close to Caspian Sea, uh, and in the west we have four republics, Adigea, Karachaya Cherkessia, North Ossetia, and Kabardino-Balkaria. So here's the western republics, Kabardino-Balkaria, Karachaya Cherkessia, Adigea, North Ossetia. as you can see, e- each of them has their own flag, and three eastern republics, Dagestan, Grishetia, and Chechnya, and also though, uh, I'm talking strictly about uh, North Caucasus, however, th- uh, also uh, two, South Caucasus republics, South Ossetia and Abkhazia also identify themselves as kind of Western uh, republics, and I'll uh, mention them as well. And in terms of South Ossetia and North (laughs) Ossetia, you see they even share the flag. So they uh, regard that this artificial division imposed by Stalin dividing Ossetia into two parts, they regard it as unfair, and they hope someday to reunite. So what we have, uh, what this division tells us? First of all, it tells us about uh, the relations between nationalism and Islam, but before that, it tells us about uh, uh, the composition of religion. So in the East, we have three uh, homogeneously Muslim regions, uh, Dagestan, Chechnya, and Gushetia, that have over 90% of Muslim population, and in case of Ingushetia, it's 98 while in the West, we have four uh, mixed republics, which have uh, uh, different proportions of Christians and Muslims. So in Kabardino-Balkaria and karachay cherkesia the majority of population is Muslim, about 70% while Christians, uh, or Russians actually here, they compose uh, 30%, third of the population. Two other republics, North Ossetia and uh, Adygea, it's kind of reversed when the minority is Muslims and the majority are uh, Circassians in a the uh, majority are Russians. So uh, in the same, in Adygea, 22% uh, are uh, Muslims and uh, 75% are uh, Christians. And the same dynamic we have in Abkhazia uh, when the minority are Muslims and the majority are Christians. In South Assetia, we have uh, homogeneous Christian population, but since they regard themselves as uh, artificially uh, divided with North Assetia, so 14% of North Assetians also apply to the South Assetians. So what does this tell us, this uh, division of population? It tells us that in the East, the religious identity had chance to blend with national identity. If you're a Chechen, you're also a Muslim. While in the West, uh, religious identity and national identity didn't blend. So uh, in case of uh, North Ossetia, this minority are Muslims and that's significant minority. In case of Circassians, the minority is very tiny. The, like 99% of Circassians in Odegaia, Kabardino-Balkaria, and karachay Cherkessia, they are Muslims. And only very tiny, like 1% of the population are Orthodox Christians. They live in Mazdok area. So it's kind of, if you l- look at your body, it's like an index finger. So it's abs- kind of, you think it's useless, but it would be really painful to cut it off. So it kind of uh, uh, forms uh, the identity that you can't say, I'm a Circassian, therefore I'm a Muslim, because there is this little tiny minority that are Christian, so beca- th- that dynamic prevents uh, riot- the blend of nationalism and Islam in the Western Republics. Uh, Bal- uh, These Mountain Turkic uh, groups, Balkars and Karachais in Kabardina-Balkara and karachai circassia they are homogeneously Muslims. However, they live with uh, these mixed populations, and also they don't adopt this blend of nationalism and Islam. And another issue with them is that Kabardians uh, and Balkars and Karachais and Turks, they want to separate because they are unrelated ethnically. So that also creates... Uh, ethnic tensions and uh, mobilizes people around nationalism in these two republics. So in the east we have blend of uh, 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 we have a situation when identity, religious and national identity merged uh, while uh, in the west uh, they stayed separate. Uh, I also mentioned uh, ethnic grievances uh, that the uh, five uh, ethnic groups here have and there is no division there as we can see, uh, they're pr- uh, quite similar. There is division in Islamic practices uh, between East and West uh, when uh, uh, in Gushetia, Chechnya, and Dagestan, they belong to Shafi school, which is one of four uh, uh, Sunni uh, schools, or madhhabs and uh, West uh, Western um, ethnic groups, uh, Circassians, uh, uh, Mountaineer Turks, and Assetians, they uh, exercise Hanafi uh, school. But there is no conflict around this. These are just uh, like everyday Muslim practices. So unlike the conflicts between Shia and the Sunni, unlike conflicts between uh, the Salafis and uh, more Uh, conservative uh, more fundamentalist Muslims there is no actually differences between uh, Shafi and Hanafi school. Uh, Another, uh, I already mentioned that uh, East is homogeneously Muslim while West is a mixture of Islam and Orthodox Christianity. Uh, Also when we are talking about clashes within Islam, uh, usually it occurs uh, uh, the, the similarity here that in both cases local Muslim groups clash with Salafis. Uh, however, uh, there is a nuance in the East when Salafism usually clashes with Sufism, uh, uh, while in the West, Salafism usually uh, clashes with so-called traditional is- Islam and folklore Islam, which I will uh, talk about it a, a little bit later. Uh, the state-church uh, relationship is uh, really Uh, uh, different in the East and West. In the East, Dagestan and Gushetia and Chechnya, Islam is incorporated into the political machine. Uh, uh, Muslims uh, play active role in uh, political parties. Uh, uh, The leaders of the Republic appear in mosques, uh, uh, publicly praying, while in the West, that's not the case. Islam is not uh, part of the political machine, doesn't play much role in the uh, political elite and if you see a um, governor from one of these four republic visiting uh, mosque you can be sure that the same day or next day he's gonna visit uh, a church in order to show that he's tolerant to both uh, also laws uh, are different uh, while in the west uh, it is strictly russian state law of course uh, the, the there is n- never strict state law in any country, but uh, like to to the extent with w- it can be. Well, in the east, it is mixture of sh- uh, state law, Sharia, and adat, and uh, people switch from one to another uh, when they think it will suit them more. So, for example, the state law uh, prohibits to have uh, more than w- one wife. Uh, adat also. Uh, doesn't encourage you to have one, uh, more than one wife. And kind of, uh, uh, according to Adat, uh, you wouldn't have two, two uh, more than two wives. Uh, while with Sharia, uh, Sharia kind of uh, allows uh, having uh, uh, up to four wives. Uh, however, this kind of, uh, this uh, though uh, people refer to this as Sharia in Chechens, Dagestani, and Gush, Uh, Mary second time, third time, fourth time, uh, not time, but uh, fourth wife. uh, uh, However, it's very different from the classic Islam. In classic Islam, if you have uh, multiple wives, uh, you provide them equal uh, 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 living uh, conditions. You divide your schedule between them. Uh, you stay with uh, one wife one night, second w- night with another, the, the, so, so forth. Well, uh, so they are equal wives. While in Chechnya, in Gushetya, Dagestan, this is usually actually replacing old wife with a new wife. So young men marry when they are tw- in their 20s. They have 10 children with uh, uh, their wife. Uh, birth rate is pretty high in these three republics. And then they say, okay, I want 10 more children. 10 is not enough. Uh, 20 is a good number. And my wife can't uh, uh, have uh, more children, so I'm going to marry a, an 18 years old girl now, even though I'm fi- 50 or 55. So this is like uh, uh, actually not uh, classical Islam, but... Uh, this kind of deviation of Islam and uh, Soviet uh, 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 legacy. So uh, uh, how uh, these dynamics changed uh, 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 after Soviet Union? Uh, When we look at the separatist movements, uh, we can see generational changes in uh, post-Soviet Caucasus insurgency because that's kind of most visible indication. Uh, so in 1990s, when Soviet Union just fell apart, it was intelligentsia and so, Soviet uh, retired military like Dudayev, Mashadov, Yandarbyev was a, uh, uh, a writer who would, was writing children's book. Uh, it, they were the leaders of separatism uh, and uh, they based their ideology on uh, nationalism and also they just... Uh, Uh, witnessed fall of one of the greatest empires in the world, and they thought, well, if Soviet Union fell apart, this weak Russia, it's just uh, a couple of years before it falls apart. Then uh, uh, the second generation of uh, insurgents in 2000s, they adopted uh, more uh, uh, Muslim-oriented ideology. They were self-educated Muslims, and since they just adopted Islam themselves, they had this messianic ideals to spread Islam, like we got this beautiful, uh, great uh, ideology, now let us uh, impose it on others uh, peacefully or uh, violently. While uh, the the third generation of uh, insurgency, which emerged in 2010s, uh, sometimes they call it Putin's generation. Uh, these are well-educated youth who grew up in authoritarian uh, Russia. They didn't witness the fall of Soviet Union, so they witnessed already strong authoritarian Russia, and they actually don't have hope for Russia to fall apart that Mashadov Dudayev, and others used to have uh, uh, right after the fall of Soviet Union. So these people, they fight mostly not because they fight against Russian state to make it fall apart, but rather they fight against injustice and out of hopelessness and uh, uh, depression. So uh, three uh, major uh, like uh, uh, points in the turning uh, this uh, violence around uh, war, uh, second uh, uh, Russian-Chechen war, uh, and the most uh, uh, infamous point of that was 2004 Beslan uh, school, school tragedy when uh, hundreds of children were killed. And when uh, the Kremlin thought that they just resolved the issue of Chechen separatism, 2007 became another turning point when uh, the new organization, Caucasus Emirate, emerged and it uh, the, the Caucasus Emirate started using uh, Islamic ideology in order to spread the insurgency all over the Caucasus. And the echo of that uh, uh, ideology we saw in 2013 Boston Marathon bombing when one of the Tsarnaev brothers uh, visited uh, back uh, Dagestan. He got indoctrinated, came back, indoctrinated his younger brother, and they uh, organized this bomb in, uh, in Boston. And the third uh, uh, most recent uh, turn was uh, a turn from al-Qaeda ideology to ISIS ideology. The difference between al-Qaeda ideology and ISIS ideology is al-Qaeda uh, ideology claims that uh, the infidels, of the West, uh, fight uh, uh, Islam in the uh, in the Middle East and uh, Russian infidels fight Islam in um, the Caucasus. So let's uh, show them how bad it is. Let them feel uh, how bad it is and bring the war on their territory, blow up their metro stations and uh, their buildings. Uh, while ISIS ideology is slightly different, while they don't, uh, they they of, co- of course uh, welcome. Uh, bombings and uh, mm, uh, on uh, enemy's territory. However, their primary goal is to create a Muslim state uh, based on uh, Sharia. Uh, and uh, they uh, 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 say that uh, everybody who wants to fight for this cause should uh, go to Syria and Iraq and support them. So this Uh, turned to ISIS ideology, split uh, the insurgency in the North Caucasus and the majority of insurgents left Russia and went to uh, Syria to fight for the cause of ISIS and uh, the pro-Al Qaeda branch still remained in the North Caucasus for some time and they actually condemned pro-Al Qaeda ideology because it was weakening their cause However, they couldn't do anything, so this became a major point when the uh, 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 the violence statistics started going down, and here you can see how violence statistics dropped significantly from 2010 through 2015, and that was the lowest point of uh, the violence. And I want to uh, also uh, say a couple of words about uh, different groups uh, uh, who compete between themselves in the North Caucasus. So one group is uh, the people who are affiliated with the state, local political elites, uh, the law enforcement agencies, and local and federal business businessmen. Of course they have uh, issues between themselves, however, uh, they uh, are a united force. Uh, uh, the, the second group is Muslims, when state-controlled uh, 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 traditional Islam, uh, teacher-student-related uh, relations-based Sufism, in the uh, mostly in the east uh, of the North Caucasus, and Salafi, Salafis, Yan Muslims, includes, including leaders who were educated in the Middle East. So. Uh, th- th- this is another group that has uh, kind of mobilization power in the North Caucasus. The third group is more scattered, nationalists who uh, uh, adv- uh, uh, advocate for recognition of these five ethnic grievances that I mentioned. Uh, and uh, folklore Islam, folklore Christianity, this is like very exotic thing when local scholars revive paganism in the North Caucasus, uh, Christian paganism or uh, like pre-Christian or pre-Muslim paganism. And healers who are not a mobilizing uh, force, but they are victims of mostly Salafis. And uh, uh, the other groups, uh, they are also not united, uh, so uh, pro-ISIS extremists supporting creation of caliphate state and going to uh, the Middle East, pro-Al Qaeda, extremists supporting international jihad, and in the past also a group of warlords, which now they they don't exist, but these are the groups that fight between themselves. And uh, uh, I also want to uh, uh, say a couple of words and uh, would uh, invite questions uh, related to the Kremlin's policy since I'm running out of time. So <coughs> Uh, Kremlin's policy toward the North Caucasus governors went through four stages. Uh, During Yeltsin's time in uh, 1991 through 2005, uh, 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 early Putin, there were direct uh, elections of governors and elections were uh, relatively free and uh, uh, democratic and the Kremlin supported uh, supported candidates often lost uh, the elections. Then, uh, in 2005, Putin banned gubernatorial elections in all Russian regions. Uh, And Medvedev actually even uh, uh, issued a law prohibiting uh, uh, Republican leaders uh, naming themselves as presidents, because there could be only one president in Russia. Uh, uh, Except Tatarstan. Uh, Tatarstan actually challenged uh, Kremlin Uh, and uh, uh, the Tatarstan president, uh, Minikhanov, he said, uh, how come they could be presidents of uh, uh, soccer clubs but can't be presidents of the republic? So they refused to follow the federal law. In 2012, Medvedev restored gubernatorial elections in all Russian regions. However, as soon as Putin... Uh, was re-elected as president, he instantly amended uh, Medvedev's law, and uh, uh, he uh, the, the new law amended law uh, gave regional parliaments right to ban gubernatorial elections by themselves, and uh, that caused uh, 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 all uh, North Caucasus republics, all uh, like, uh, six, six North, North out of seven North Caucasus republics. Uh, they banned uh, gubernatorial elections. And again, uh, here, Chechnya challenged uh, the Kremlin's suggestion to ban gubernatorial elections. And there was actually o- almost a public standoff between Putin and Kadyrov when uh, in, 2006, uh, uh, in 2016, the Kremlin was hesitating announcing support for Kadyrov's candidacy until his... Uh, mm, His term uh, uh, expired and then uh, Kadyrov made his move and he announced that he's not gonna run for governor but he is gonna help his cousin. Uh, And uh, that's when Putin uh, came to public and spoke and he said uh, uh, that he wanted to uh, support uh, uh, Kadyrov to run for Chechen (laughs) gubernatorial elections And of course, uh, Kadyrov won the elections, and uh, uh, for uh, this day, Kadirov is the only, Chechnya is the only uh, republic in the North Caucasus that has uh, direct uh, uh, elections among the North Caucasus republics since 2005. I'll stop there, but I'll be, I, I'm happy to go into more details on any of these points, nationalism, Islam, and especially Kremlin's policy, since it's uh, like more intricate and uh, uh, interesting from a political point of view. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Sufyan. Uh, a, a lot of questions, and m- maybe not as many direct answers as, as we would like. Um, I would like to begin with this notion of, of all these different regions and having all different types of... Issues of governance and so forth. And in, in a broad, but ask a broader question. And that is can Russia really be a nation state with kind of one law and equality as long as it governs and has to govern the Caucasus? I mean, the Caucasus require an imperial mentality um, that is, exists in a very complicated formula. And so has Russia really made, or can Russia make, the transition? from nation state, from empire to nation state, as long
1: as it it, it insists on governing the Caucasus. Wow, thank you for that question, kind of question that uh, Russia was n- has been not able to resolve for 200 years.
0: Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I expect you to resolve it in about a minute and, <laughs> and a half. But if, if thank you, could, you very much. Yeah, yeah.
1: taking it <laughs> e- easy on me. But uh, <laughs> so uh, so far, uh, 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 wi- Will, you are compl- absolutely right. Uh, Russian government uh, could not offer any uh, 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 comprehensive program how to build a nation state. Uh, how, however, there is this uh, idea uh, which is promoted by uh, politicians, by uh, activists, by uh, thinkers that actually um, Russia could build a nation state based on education, uh, that Russian language could be the source of unification of all non-Russian uh, uh, ethnic groups I, uh, in Russia, that Russian language could provide uh, the access to modernization uh, and then uh, like little groups, uh, f- 40 different ethnic groups in Dagestan wouldn't have to spend uh, like all uh, a lot of resources uh, 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 developing uh, science and uh, literature and everything in their own uh, language. They could just learn Russian as the second language as they uh, did uh, in during Soviet time and post-Soviet time. So that's kind of the idea that uh, local uh, uh, contemporary thinkers promote. Uh, uh, it seems that the government does not really support that idea. The government more relies on Uh, Security measures more relies on political intrigues in the North Caucasus, but even in politics, uh, the Kremlin does not have a consistent policy, which I'm happy also to discuss. So uh, uh, unless uh, uh, Russia has a government that at least believes in this one uh, uh, kind of project, of building a Russian nation based on the quality of education, uh, th- I, I, I haven't heard other alternative uh, ways to uh, make uh, Russia sustainable as a nation uh, so, state. So, so, So the Russification policies of the Tsarist regime,
0: in fact, remains the only way, or the, 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 the way forward in terms of Russia and building a nation-state. So let's open, open the floor to questions right here. And please identify yourself and ask a question and, and no long speeches. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Um, my name is Danny Cahoon. I'm a, a student at the George Washington University. I study international affairs. Um, I have a question specifically about nationalism in the western part of the North Caucasus, specifically regarding uh, Kabardina, Balkaria, and Circassia. Um, and I thought it was interesting that they, instead of advocating for sort of a more united um, independent uh, Circassia, I believe they're both ethnic Circassians. Instead, they've ad- advocated for independence in those regions rather than an independent, you know, united Circassia. Is that correct? So my curi- I'm curious as to why that they advocated for those on regional terms rather than on kind of the idea of a common Circassian nation.
1: Okay, well, thank you for the question, and uh, glad you're from George Washington University. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) uh, uh, so uh, uh, thank you for that question because uh, it kind of uh, uh, gives me an opportunity to talk about uh, another issue, uh, 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 like uh, the – Uh, irredentist movement in the North Caucasus. I already mentioned that uh, South Ossetia and North Ossetia regard their division as artificial and want to reunite and even have one flag. So the same is the case with Circassians who live in Adigea, Kabardina, Balkaria, Karachia, Cherkessia. So uh, Adigea, Kabarda, Kabarda and Cherkessia, they are Circassians and they have this irredentist uh, movement, which was really strong Uh, In 1990s, and now it's a little bit uh, different. In 1990s, even the political elite supported that uh, movement, and in 1997, the governors of three republics they uh, actually implemented law to have a united assembly of their parliaments, united editions of their state newspapers, so uh, uh, to broadcast local. Uh, TV stations uh, in, in the three regions. Uh, however, uh, uh, in 2000s, after Putin came to power, that uh, irredentist movement uh, kind of became uh, weaker. And th- uh, that irredentist, such an irredentist movement, applies not only to Circassians but also to Karacha and Balkars, who share the same language. So these uh, ethnic groups were. Uh, separated artificially and then put together with non-relative uh, ethnic groups by Stalin uh, uh, and these incomprehensible titles uh, are kind of Stalin's invention when uh, uh, we, we, uh, it's really even hard to pronounce them. Besides with the Redentist movement, there is also a repatriation movement that uh, several uh, uh, ethnic groups in the Caucasus Like, uh, advocate for. So, Circassians have, there are less than one million Circassians in Russia in the homeland, and there are uh, five to seven million Circassians abroad, and Circassians want to repatriate back to the Caucasus, and Russian laws don't allow it. In the same way, uh, there are around around 100,000 Abkhazians live in Abkhazia and about 500,000 Abkhazians live in Turkey. And while Abkhazians uh, in Abkhazia, the majority of them are Orthodox Christians, the 500,000 Abkhazians are all uh, Muslims. So there is also a, rede- uh, a repatriation movement uh, there as well. And of course, during the two Chechen wars, a lot of Chechens fled uh, from the region, uh, including in Europe, and uh, a lot of them also wanna come back. So this irredentist and repatriation movements are addition uh, to the issues in the North Caucasus.
2: Thank you, Sufyan. Marissa Khormaim with the uh, Middle East Program here at the Wilson Center. Um, Sufyan, you mentioned the radicalization of youth particularly towards Salafi Islam. And I just wanted to, you to talk a little bit more about when those Salafi seeds were planted in the Caucasus. Um, you mentioned that they're also educated in the Middle East. So is this primarily Saudi Arabia? Uh, because we've seen Arab Mujahideen in the, Chesh- in the first Chechen war funded by Saudi Arabia. So where, where is this coming from, or where d- and when did it start?
1: Well, thank you for the question. It helps me to clarify another issue. So when we're talking about Salafism, it doesn't mean it's violent. It's a new. It's kind of Puritan Islam, like uh, p- uh, the same way as Puritans. Ninety-nine percent of Salafis they are absolutely peaceful. They don't. They are not political activists. They follow Islamic law, Sharia, but only in their own private life. Uh, there is a significant uh, minority who who are. Uh, activists. They get involved in politics. They like uh, struggle around mosques. There are Salafi mosques in Dagestan. There are Salafi mosques in Karachiwa, Cherkessia. And this is always kind of a negotiation between pros- like state-oriented uh, local Islam controlled by the state and sometimes even incorporated in the uh, political machine. And these Salafis who advocate for Puritan Islam for better edu- Muslim education, and they are politically uh, active, and there is very, very tiny minority, just like uh, dozens, like in, the, in, uh, or maybe like hundreds, who are uh, jihadists uh, based on Salafi ideology, and when uh, this uh, jihadism came back uh, first in uh, uh, the Caucasus. Uh, uh, as Marisa, you're you absolutely right, it was uh, partly sponsored by uh, foreign states, and uh, actually Russia at the beginning until up to like uh, 2002, 2003, uh, Russian uh, uh, state media called them Wahhabis. And Wahhabism is not actually a Salafism. Wahhabism is one of four Uh, uh, like uh, sub-branches of one of four uh, schools of Islam, Hanbali Islam and Wahhabism is uh, a state ideology of uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, it's kind of a uh, ideological uh, Hanbalism. So uh, however then uh, uh, by the time Russia was uh, improving its relations with uh, Saudi Arabia and stopped calling them Wahhabis and started calling them Salafis. And this uh, group, uh, they mobilize uh, a religious jihadist movement based on Salafi ideology uh, and uh, they uh, 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 the jihadists themselves. They d- uh, uh, did not get education abroad. Uh, they turned into uh, uh, jihadism uh, pretty at, at a pretty early uh, age uh, when they didn't have chance to travel abroad yet. Uh, the Salafis who traveled abroad and got uh, good education in uh, Middle Eastern countries, they, uh, uh, there, w- there was uh, very few cases when uh, uh, the uh, uh, Salafis who received good Muslim education abroad War uh, jihadists. So, one of that example was uh, Astemirov, uh, who was a leader of uh, insurgency in Kabardina, Balkaria. He received one year education in uh, uh, the Middle East, and he actually was expelled from the university for his behavior. Uh, So, it's kind of uh, that's like one of very few uh, cases when. uh, well-educated Salafis uh, became uh, <coughs> leaders of insurgency. Uh, often uh, the, uh, s- uh, the same leaders who were fighting, the same uh, uh, insurgents who were fighting for Chechen cause, they turned first in 2007 to uh, the um, jihadism. And then later uh, they recruited uh, younger people. And the age of uh, jihadists significantly dropped, uh, uh, like, like most of them were in their teens, and they would be killed uh, by the Russian Security Service even before they would ten, uh, turn 20 uh, sometimes.
0: Right here. Yes, we're going to get your microphone. It's coming, coming right now. There you go. Hi, I'm David Kuiper. I'm a retired Foreign Service. Um, in the um, um, late 80s, 90s, or the 2000s, uh, there were a lot, uh, we spent a lot of time working with uh, this Muslim Brotherhoods in Turkey, and the Horn of Africa, on, on various projects, uh, either with them or against them. Uh, Is there a brotherhood movement of that sort in the Caucasus?
1: Well, as a political force, uh, Muslim Brotherhood was never represented in uh, the Caucasus. Uh, Only uh, Al-Qaeda and ISIS were represented, and the first uh, ISIS uh, representation was so unexpected uh, in, in 2013 that it was even not recognized as ISIS, and later only the analysts recognized it. Uh, so, uh, a Muslim Brotherhood uh, that we have in Egypt, in Palestine, in uh, uh, the, 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 like in um, uh, uh, Turkey, uh, it's not represented in the North Caucasus. Asia. Hi, my name <coughs> my name is Arman from Kazakhstan.
2: And my question is, uh, you mentioned the russia Chechen Republic war. And after these two wars, uh, the two countries were able to maintain peace thanks to Ramzan Kadyrov's and uh, Putin's informal agreements. And last month, uh, there was a rumor of Ramzan Kadyrov's resignation from the power. And to what extent do you think it's going to affect the peace between two countries? And do you think Putin has... Uh, Plans for him in the Kremlin.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that question. So this is not the first time Ramzan Kadyrov announced that he's resigning from power. And the first time, uh, it's it's always like Churchill said, uh, it's hard to understand what's going on in Kremlin's politics uh, unless one of the bulldogs is thrown out or, uh, uh, from under the carpet dead. So uh, only then we learn what's w- what just happened. So th- the first time uh, when. Uh, 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 Kadyrov uh, openly challenged uh, Moscow's politics was when he was 29 years old, and Moscow appointed Ali Alkhanov as the president. So, uh, and uh, uh, Kadyrov already had uh, armed men under his uh, command, and he was harassing the Chechen president. And Chechen president actually uh, had a narrow escape from the republic. And as soon as Kadyrov turned 30 years old. Putin instantly appointed him, not because he liked Khadirov. I, 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 I think he would prefer Alkhanov, but uh, uh, he did not have uh, other choice. And then when in 2013, when Putin advised, Putin, through his envoy in the Caucasus, Alexander Klaponin, he advised to cancel all gubernatorial elections. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Chechen parliament said, no, we're not going to do it because we want uh, Kadirov to be our national leader and have a popular mandate uh, as the national leader. And uh, Putin and Kadirov uh, were playing this game when uh, 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 Kadirov was announcing, I- I'm stepping down, but this will be my replacement. And the uh, person he uh, offered, uh, his cousin, uh, he is most known for... Uh, incident in the Russian parliament, he was member of Russian parliament at one time, and he got a quarrel with a colleague, and during the quarrel, a golden uh, revolver fell out of his pocket inside parliament where you can't carry weapon at all. So this was the the, the man he was offering as his replacement, and Putin had to choose between uh, uh, the two cousins <laughs> that uh, Kadirov uh, was better. So again, uh, uh, closer to his election re-elections, Kadirov uh, has uh, some kind of game maybe, uh, or maybe this time it, it there can be an agreement. We never know. What we know is Kadyrov has 38,000 armed men at, under his uh, command. And if tomorrow something happens, like uh, in Kremlin a coup... Uh, Putin dies, there is a, a anarchy in the state. Uh, uh, the armed forces, whoever can mobilize uh, military power, will have an advantage. And one of those men is Kadyrov. O- o- of course, since he's not an ethnic Russian, it will be, he will have a t- hard time uh, kind of defending his legitimacy as the official leader of Russia, though uh, sometimes it's not a problem. Stalin was not ethnic Russian as well. But at least uh, Kadyrov will play one of the most major roles in uh, the cessation of power after Putin. So whatever he says in words, he, in reality, in real politics, he has uh, enormous power in Russia. And uh, uh, Chechnya is the only uh, uh, Russian subject uh, out of eighty four that has its own laws uh, that uh, the, uh, the local law enforcement uh, agencies are not subordinated to uh, the federal ones uh, everywhere the interior minister minister of interior affairs federal minister of interior affairs appoints the chief of police in every region Appo- uh, the director of kgb uh, fsb uh, appoints the regional FSB officers, and so forth, so on, except Chechnya. Every armed man in Chechnya is under Kadyrov's personal command. So to expect that this, uh, a, a person with such an enormous power will just give it uh, up, uh, it, uh, it's, it's not realistic. And uh, we, we saw that he uh, was playing with this power uh, uh, in the past, and he got away with that and probably he will continue uh, as we will see in the near future.
0: In the back.
2: Hi, uh, Krista Goff from University of Miami. Uh, Maybe one or two years ago, Jean-François Rattel gave a lecture, I think at GW actually, um, tracing kind of the Russian connection to the Islamic State and also the decrease in violence in the Russian Federation to the rise of the Islamic State. He also posited, however, that Russia's reluctance to repatriate or deal with the thousands of Russian men, women, children who joined the Islamic State, were born in the Islamic State, will in the long term lead to violence in Russia. Uh, He discussed that some communities of those fighters and women and children Um, who had managed to leave the Middle East, were kind of accumulating in states around Russia that have conflicts with Russia, like Ukraine and Georgia, and kind of projected like a 10 to 15 year path back toward uh, violence linked to this. Do you think that there will be kind of a delayed blowback to Russia um, from all of these thousands of fighters and women and children who were linked to the Islamic State? Or do you think that that is going to fizzle out? And why uh, for either of those answers? Thanks.
1: Yeah, thank you for that question. I I was uh, kind of uh, talking about those issues uh, in 2014 and 2015 when I co-authored a book about Sochi Olympics with with my colleague Robert Orton. And that was kind of a prediction that we were making that uh, this uh, hundreds if not thousands of fighters uh, who uh, went uh, from uh, Russia to uh, the, um, uh, who joined uh, Islamic State uh, and who actually ha- have their own regiments. Uh, the, uh, uh, like there is Chechen regiment. There, there, there was like this r- Russian fighters were uh, uh, formidable force there. And of course, they had this really effective training, military training, uh, combating uh, best forces in the world. So we were uh, predicting back then that uh, uh, if uh, even part of those such so well-trained people comes back, they would be able to organize resistance in the Caucasus, which would uh, like even uh, be more violent and more effective than uh, the resistance uh, in 1990s and early 2000s. So far, our, re- uh, our predictions were wrong. So far, the uh, Russian state has been able to uh, block these people from coming uh, back. And one of the reasons, actually, Russia in, uh, gets involved in the Middle East is also tries to combat uh, these in, uh, insurgents uh, on uh, like outside of their territory. So hopefully, they uh, uh, the, they won't come back and they won't uh, cause. Uh, new w- wave of violence in the North Caucasus. However, it remains a question how to deal with all these people. And uh, uh, that's so far, it's a Middle Eastern problem, which can uh, potentially become a Russian problem again. Hopefully it won't.
0: <laughs> Any last questions? Right here.
2: Uh, Thank you for your lecturing, and my name is yu Gang Lee, and I'm a student in American University from South Korea, and I want to know about, like, Kurdish ethnic minority in caucus, so their movement or their power, like something like that.
1: Uh, Kurdish? Uh... There is a, a um, minority called Meschetian Turks uh, movement minority, but Kurdish minority is not... Uh, Russia doesn't have Kurdish minority. Though Russia in Soviet time used to support Kurdish separatism uh, in uh, the Middle East, uh, Like uh, there, there was a famous uh, Kurdish communist who would travel to Russia, who would be supported by Russian instructors. Uh, they tried to create... Uh, Socialist, uh, communist, uh, Kurdish Republic in the Middle East, but a uh, K- Kurdish issue is not relevant for Russia. It is relevant for Turkey, for other Middle Eastern countries, but not for Russia.
0: Well, thank, thanks so much, Sufyan. I, I, I will, will ask the last question. Um, I, I don't say this region all the time, but I kind of jump in and jump out, and and um, always understand the problems, but don't necessarily see the solution. So, is there a reason for optimism? amongst all these different disputes and conflicts um, outside the traditional kind of imperial rule that Russia is pursuing
1: well you are asking me really hard question for the f- for the second time today <laughs> that's why i have you, this chair yes i <laughs> <laughs> probably hope that uh i can come up with answers that y- you you were not able uh, to uh, find uh, <laughs> in literature so exactly that's that's, wh- that's that's what you do as chair yes yeah. well thank you for that question actually and uh uh Unfortunately, uh, yeah, there there was optimism. uh, And we hope that the cooperation between Russia and the West, the involvement of Russia in uh, uh, G8, uh, in uh, European uh, Council, uh, all the agreements uh, between uh, WTO and Russia, those were such great positive uh, and uh, like, uh, developments that gave us hope in 2000s. But 2014 uh, broke all our hopes. Once uh, uh, Putin and the Kremlin, uh, not personally, Putin, the Kremlin was challenged to uh, choose between cooperation with uh, the West and uh, its own interests in the post-Soviet space. Uh, the Kremlin decided to choose absolutely uh, the interests in the uh, uh, what uh, in the region what they call near abroad post-Soviet republics. Uh, and that uh, policy, uh, it's kind of Russia regards uh, the post-Soviet space as, as its own geopolitical uh, space of geopolitical interests. So uh, once that choice was made. Uh, and uh, the West uh, implemented sanctions on Russia, so far uh, that was kind of uh, the time when we lost uh, hope that uh, Russia will integrate in uh, the West and uh, uh, that Russia will even kind of uh, save the appearance of democracy, Uh, that uh, human rights, uh, the civil society will be protected in Russia. So Unfortunately, uh, even risking the, uh, to, to, to end it on such a pessimistic oh, note, after it, the annexation of Crimea, there is not much hope uh, for this regime at least.
0: It, it just means that we'll have to invite you back uh, <laughs> when, when, when times are better.
1: Exactly. <laughs> when you see me next time and you see me smiling, then you can invite me back. Very good. Well, <laughs> well
0: thank you so much, Sufyan. Thank you so much for coming.